Welcome back to the Stoic Sentinel podcast. Great to have you here. Today we are talking about mental health as it involves law enforcement and some ways that we can apply stoicism to help us through any issues that we may be having to help prevent issues from occurring and how to improve the stigma around mental health in our profession and how we can forge ahead into a better future and with more mentally sound and happy cops. So glad you're here. Stay tuned. Got some great stuff for you. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is the Stoic Sentinel podcast. And today we are covering something that's, uh, hits pretty home, uh, pretty, yeah, what a great start hits pretty close to home for me. Um, and I think is a major talking point and something that needs to have major attention on it in law enforcement. And that is mental health. It's severely affecting police officers, how we do our job, how we live our lives. Uh, how our home life goes, and how we're ending our careers, which to way too many is with suicide. It's something that needs to be focused on. Uh, it needs to be changed. And hopefully this will help facilitate that. Of course, not completely, but hopefully it's a start. Uh, I know that it's being talked about more and more. I'm hearing about it more on other police-related podcasts. So I think there is a movement to really improve mental health in policing. And I believe that stoicism can greatly help with that. Not only if you're further along in your career, you're feeling burnt out, you're feeling like there's nothing left for you, or you're fearing that change in life of retirement and losing that identity of, of a police officer. So just going to go over a little bit about how we can apply the philosophy of stoicism to our lives to improve our overall mental health. Apologize about the beep. I'm going to take care of that right now. All right. Had some notifications on. They are off now. So I'm trying something different. I'm using riverside.fm to record. Gives me video. It also seems to clean up my audio a lot. So hopefully you will start to hear some improved audio all part of the journey and figuring this thing out and giving you a better, hopefully, a, a better experience. So jumping right in, guys. So why is mental health such an important topic, especially on a stoicism podcast? Well, like I said, this is a fairly personal topic for me, and I think that is really where it has to start is somebody who's gone through it, helping others figure it out. So just a little bit of background on what I've uh, kind of dealt with. In 2016, I was deployed to Afghanistan with the Air Force to Bagram. Say, nothing, nothing crazy, but we did get mortars and rockets shot at us on a fairly regular basis. Those were always preceded by, you know, sometimes if they were able to triangulate them and, and pick them up, 
uh, with a like an air raid siren, kind of the the incoming sirens that are played on Air Force bases. And at the time, didn't have a problem with it. I was a tech sergeant at the time, so uh, in charge of airmen on the flight line, getting things done. Wasn't I, I didn't really fear getting hit by one of those. Uh, the accuracy was so bad, and we had the the machine guns that shot them down. Some of my younger guys were bothered by it. And kind of a little extra tidbit here, uh, explanation of how the flight line works. When the jets leave and they come back, the last place they go and the first place they come back to is called end of runway or EOR. So that's where we pin up or take out the pins. When they're leaving, it's where we take out the pins of all the munitions and the bombs and the gun make sure all the pins that are required for removal are removed. Um, make sure the pilot's got all of his, everything he needs right before he leaves. So he knows that his, his jet's good to go. And then when it comes back, of course, putting all the pins in, making the jet safe so that we can do all our maintenance, gas it, rearm it, do whatever fixes we need to do on the jet, all that stuff. So one day this was even after I had left Afghanistan already, uh, but he was telling me a story about how he was running a crew for EOR. They were supposed to go out because the jets were coming back, had already radioed in that they were coming back. So he was gathering his crew. Well, one of them had to go to the bathroom. So he said, all right, everybody, you know, just chill out. We'll get something to eat. We'll go out there in a minute. Well, that's when an incoming attack happened and either a mortar or a rocket hit right where they would have been standing had they gone out on time. Um, so that was the closest call we had in my squadron while I was there. And a couple of years goes by having trouble sleeping, having recurring dreams that they weren't, you know, delayed getting out there and they did get hit by those, those, uh, rockets. So very graphic dream one I would have constantly. And it was messing with my sleep. It was messing with my mood. Um, when I would hear, a siren that sounded similar to an air raid siren. I would have some, some physical reactions to that, start sweating, get nervous, you know, start have little, little mini panic attacks kind of. And I know that, and this is a, a part of it is I know that it wasn't that extreme for me. Um, but it was real for me and it took me a long time to, to even realize that I needed to get any kind of help. Cause like, well, I mean, I wasn't over there outside the wire, you know, I didn't lose buddies. I didn't, you know, kill anybody directly anyway. So I, what right do I have to, to have PTSD? Right. And I think a lot of people go through that, but during a 90 day goal setting that I do for uh, a men's group that I'm in called the iron council, we do goals every 90 days. I decided that getting help for that was something that scared me a little bit. It was something I was, you know, not looking forward to, kind of afraid of what I was going to dig up or what else, you know, telling people my story, talking to a therapist, which I've never really done. So I made that my goal, that I was going to seek help. Um, I was in a good place. There was nothing extreme going on. I wasn't in crisis or anything like that. So I felt that it was a good time to seek help. And it really came about, um, we had a pretty awful um, encounter where a young girl was attacked by two dogs. 
and our guys that were out there, I wasn't on the call, but the guys that were out there were all having some difficulties with it. And a third party or a nonprofit group came and helped, you know, kind of talk to them and let them know that they have uh, services for law enforcement, fire, military, first responders in general, and that they were specifically designed for us. They understood us. So I took that and I ran with it and I wanted to see a few things. One, is this a good resource that I can tell other people to go to? Two, I'm a supervisor. So if I can go and get help and not lose my stripes and not lose my gun and not lose my badge, then I can then better recommend it for my officers, especially somebody that comes to me and says, Hey, I need help. Now I have a place where I can refer them, where I know that it's good. So I did. I went and saw them. They were phenomenal. Um, they were called 3FTL. They're based here in Texas, in North Texas. And if anybody's listening to this in North Texas, reach out to me if you, if you feel like you need their help. And I will definitely refer you. I'll point you in the right direction so you can talk to them. I hope to even have uh, Jen, who runs it, I hope to have her on the podcast at some point. I think that would be pretty, pretty damn awesome. So, uh, yeah, I went and talked to them. They got me hooked up with a, a former first sergeant in the army, an EOD guy. And he put me through some, I believe it's called EMDR. And within a session or two, I had gotten rid of that trauma. I had processed that trauma. So it was no longer stuck in my current memory. You know, it got processed where it should go. And man, I got, I'm telling you guys, I haven't slept this good maybe ever. I mean, at least since I was a kid and I am now able to go and tell other officers, Hey, I went and got help. I wasn't in crisis. You know, I didn't wait till it was too late. I didn't wait till it was, you know, my life was horrible or in the toilet. I went to just see what I could benefit from it. And I can tell you that the benefit has been massive. It's one of the most uh, useful things that I've done and I don't know how long. So not only, and mine was fairly mild. I didn't have, you know, I don't have what a lot of the guys that come back, the Marines and the, the army guys that have been outside the wire, special ops guys that have seen just horrendous things. Uh, mine was definitely not to that extreme. But I also learned that most of the things I've seen as a police officer, I have been able to process. It hasn't gotten stuck like that incident in Afghanistan did. So that's a good sign, right? And even talked to my therapist about, you know, that it's, it, it amazes me or it worries me more like that there are some things I see that don't bother me more, that concerns me a little bit, that maybe I'm getting out of touch or I'm callous. And he said that basically I've just developed the, um, developed the ability to deal with it and process it correctly. And that's why it doesn't bother me. One of the most extreme I've seen is a lady that set herself on fire and it, it honestly hasn't kept me up at night. It didn't bother me. And he said a lot of it was, there was nothing I could do, right? She was already gone by the time I got there. There, I, there was no sense of responsibility on my part for what happened to her. So I'm able to filter that through my own character and my values and it doesn't stick 
because um, I guess it doesn't conflict with anything that I believe. So even though it was horrible and super sad, it it doesn't, it's hard to really explain. It just, it, it doesn't bother my values. If that makes any sense. So that's kind of my story with it. Um, and everybody that I've talked to every single officer that I've shared this with has had something immediately that they share with me, something that's been bothering them. So it's already been beneficial, absolutely, hugely beneficial. So yeah, so that's that's my story with it. I'm sure you guys have stories of your own. I'm I'm happy to hear them. Like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. Okay, some reason my recording stopped, but now we're going again. So like I'm not a therapist, nothing like that, but I'm here to listen if you guys have something to share. And I will give any guidance that I can. But if if you are struggling with it, I recommend you Google that. See if you have any first responder specific groups that can help you out. Uh, one of the things that I heard when I was studying up on this topic and listening to other podcasts where it was a, a topic was many officers will seek out uh, therapy and often, as is our as is our way, they'll wait till it's you know, really late in the, in the problem and they're really struggling or they, they're not able to get back to work until they get cleared. So they're seeing these psychiatrists or psychologists, whatever they are, therapists, and they'll tell them something they've seen and they'll break down in tears. The, the therapist will start crying from the description of what this officer or this firefighter or the military guy has seen uh, because they're normal people. And they don't experience those kinds of things like we do. We see the most horrendous things there is to see, right? And normal people don't deal with that. So when you express that, it seems wrong to them and it conflicts with their ideals and their worldview and it bothers them. So definitely seek out somebody that specializes in military first responders, something of that nature, because they will, they'll either be cops or, you know, they'll be hose draggers or they'll be military and they will be able to relate and understand what it is you saw. And they'll have stories to share back with you, which is huge, uh, especially for like a fraternal order. Like we have, uh, the brotherhood, sisterhood, we need others that understand us so that we can freely talk about it and feel that trust that we need to process that, that trauma. And even if you're not experiencing it, I'm telling you guys, it's worth it just to go and talk to somebody. Okay. Um, a great way that I've heard of it recently is we have coaches for all kinds of things, right? If we, if you go to jujitsu, you have a jujitsu coach. If you go to go play basketball, whatever, you know, there's, there's guys that coach us up on those kinds of things. There's life coaches, there's, uh, financial advisors, there's people that specialize in different areas of life that we don't. So you don't have to know everything. You can find somebody that can guide you through the process. Well, instead of thinking of therapy, like I'm broken and this person is going to evaluate me, whatever, think of it as, uh, a thought coach. It's somebody that's going to help you 
get out of your perspective and the way that you think of things and help you. They, they know the tricks of the trade. They know how our brains work. They know how our thoughts work and they can help you think about things a different way. And so often that's all we need is to get out of the perspective that we're in and look at it from a different, a different way. Okay. So I highly, highly recommend it. And if you're somebody that's walking around your department, talking crap about people that go and get help, stop it. Because I guarantee you do not want to be the reason that somebody kills themselves down the line. And it may not be anytime soon. And you may not ever know about it. But if they don't go get help because of some crap that you're saying, that could very well cause them somewhere down the road to feel like they don't have any other choice. Okay. I've had guys come to me in the honor guard and say, hey, I just can't go to another funeral right now. And I'm sure anybody knows we get a lot of in line of duty deaths in Texas, a ton. I think we lead the nation just about every year. So we go to a lot of funerals. We are very particular about representing our department and supporting those families and supporting that agency that lost an officer. So we see a lot of them. So when an officer comes to me, I have a rule, no questions asked. If you don't feel like you can mentally handle a funeral, then you don't need to go. And I will not ask questions and I will not judge you and I will give you the time you need. And I've had people come to me and criticize officers because they heard that they didn't want to go to a funeral. And that's just such the old, old guard of thinking where you're weak or you can't hack it. And I hope that dude doesn't come back me up just because he's struggling with something. The fact is we are all struggling with something. It's a fact. And just because you're good at pushing it down and hiding it, even from yourself, does not mean that you are somehow stronger than somebody else. Everyone's brought up different. Everyone experiences different things. And you cannot put us all in the same box. And it is not a sign of strength to ignore problems. Okay? It's actually a weakness. So if you're that guy, stop being that guy because you are what's blocking the way for progress for healthier, happier, more fulfilled cops. So that's kind of the personal side of it for me, kind of my own view of it and what I've been through. So how do we apply stoicism to that? Because that's what we're all here for, right? So how can stoicism help? Well, just like I've told you before, and I'm sure I'll tell you it again because it's a major tenet of uh, stoicism, is focus on what is in your direct control. What can you control about your situation? Stop worrying about all the indifference out there, like your agency, your chain of command, the politics, uh, how the justice system works, whether a, you know, a good hook you got, got off because of, you know, a defense attorney or a DA didn't take the case. None of that is in any of our control. And I guarantee the things that are in our control will take up every single bit of your time. If you focus on those, because they are the right things to focus on. 
They are the things that promote growth. They are the things that will fulfill you. Okay. So the dichotomy of control, focus on what you can control and tune out what you can't. That will cut down on your anxiety. That will cut down on worrying. Um, and it will make the most use of your valuable, limited time to grow and get better and to help those around you get better as well. Okay, and that kind of flows right into my next point. This is a big one with uh, reading of Seneca that I've been doing. I've been reading Seneca's Selected Dialogues and Consolations where he writes letters and he uh, kind of has back and forth dialogue with some people that are criticizing him. A big thing with the dichotomy of control is what you place your happiness in. Okay, what what are you setting your hopes and dreams and goals on? If it's something that's relying on something out of your control, then you're going to have an issue at some point. If you don't get what that is because it wasn't in your control to get it, then you're going to have a bad time. Okay. If you can focus only on what you can control and realize that things out of your control, and I'm trying to find a, a clearer way to say that. So if you pin your happiness, your goals, your fulfillment on the indifference, those are the things that are out of our power, right? Then you're basing it on chance. Okay. You're basing it on luck. You're not basing it on something that you can help make happen. So an example, if I, it's like, man, I'll be happy once I get promoted or I'll be happy once I hit this amount, this pay step, or I get a canine or I get onto the SWAT team. None of those things are up to you. Are there things that you can influence? Absolutely. But the final decision is not going to be up to you, right? So you can't, you can't place your emotions solely on those things. Now, if you set it on, I'm going to do the best I can on this promotion test and I'm going to accept the results and I'm going to congratulate the winner. Whether I win or lose, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it because I want to improve. I want to experience the promotion process. I want the added knowledge that comes with studying for the test. And I want people to know that I am interested in doing these things. All of those are in your control. The outcome is not. So you can't be crushed when you don't get it. And if you base it solely on that intangible or that indifferent, then you will be crushed. If you set it on, I'm going to do the best I can do and I'm going to accept the results. If you don't get it, you're like, okay, well, better luck next time. Uh, Let me figure out what it is I need to do to get better and um, I will improve next time. Uh, It just, it's the same as basing your identity on how much money you have. Okay. Seneca says the wise man likes money, enjoys it. It's a tool that he can use for the benefit of others and for himself, but he's not dependent on it. He says the fool is completely dependent on it. And if it's suddenly taken away, because it's out of our control, right? 
if it's suddenly taken away, the fool is crushed and is, has, has no backup plan. His, all of his identity and his self-esteem was wrapped up in having all that money. Whereas the wise man, the sage, the person who's following the, the stoic ways is going to say, well, it was never mine anyway. Uh, it, it really doesn't affect who I am as a person. And I'm going to continue on. And you see how kind of that helps with a resilient mindset, right? Um, a book I'm reading called Anti-Fragile by, hold on, I got it right here. By Nassim Nicholas Talib. It's called Anti-Fragile. So he has an idea of where you don't just want to be resilient because real resilient just means that you tough it out, right? That you, you get through it. Anti-fragile, the opposite of fragile means that you actually get better from bad things happening to you. So even better than resilient is I actually improve because I experienced this hard thing in my life. How opposite is that from a lot of the things you hear today? When everybody can be triggered by being called a name or if you disagree with them, right? It seems like it's a virtue to be fragile these days. Well, that is not good for anybody's mental health. Blaming others for anything in your life is not beneficial to you whatsoever. It soothes the ego. It kills growth. And it does not fulfill us as human beings. That is not what we were made to do. Okay. So keep that in mind, right? Don't set your, your sights on something that is out of your control. Because if you do and you don't get it, it's going to hurt. And this next one, you've heard me say it before. And it, like I said, it's, it's a foundation for a reason. Guys, figure out who you are. I mean, really. Look into it, look into yourself, ask the hard questions, figure out what you're afraid of because so much of it stems from that. Figure out what you've been through. Okay. I know people have been through some hard, hard things. People have experienced, you know, having uh, sexual trauma when they're kids, being molested or something like that. That is awful and that leaves scars. But what do you do from here? Where do you go from here? Right. You grew up dirt poor, your parents weren't there, or you experienced a death at a young age. I feel for you. What now? What's next? We've got to keep building, right? Can't use things as excuses to hold us back, hold us down. That's all they are. They're just roadblocks that we're not willing to face. They're obstacles that we're trying to avoid instead of going through and learning. And a big... Big phrase you'll hear, if you, especially if you read some of the older stuff in Stoicism, is living according to nature. Okay, basically that's just uh, reason, Leave, living within reason, using your reason to get through life and make decisions based on virtues. Okay, so live according to nature through reason and not emotion. Put those four cardinal virtues into action with every decision you make and make your life and the lives of others better. Okay. Cause I can tell you right now, the best way to feel good about yourself and to improve your situation is to improve the situation of somebody else. 
All right. We are tribal creatures. We are social animals and we are bioengineered to experience good feelings, those good feeling chemicals in the brain when we help others. So if you're down on yourself and you don't feel like you're worth anything, find a way to help somebody else. Okay. It helps. It does. It's hard, but everything in life that is worth anything is hard. And growth only happens through discomfort and sometimes pain. So find the thing that makes you uncomfortable. Find the thing that scares you. That is the obstacle, and the obstacle is absolutely the way. That is where the growth lies. That is where the fulfillment is. It's through the dark cave. To the other, that's where the treasure lies. Like I said, I've been reading some Seneca, uh, a quote that really that I thought spoke to this. Um, he says, of course, as long as we're drifting about, not following one leader, but the babble and jarring noises of people calling us to go in different directions, our life will be wasted in wandering. I connect that with know who you are, what you want how you're going to get it and go after it. All right. Don't pay attention to the noise because it doesn't matter. And the more successful you are, the noisier it's going to get. Because if there's one thing that people can't stand, it's somebody doing better than them. And instead of working to make themselves better, they will try to tear you down. Okay. So if you go and you start strengthening yourself, you start applying some, mental conditioning as well as physical conditioning, which I hope you're also doing because it also helps that mental condition. Okay. There are people that are going to call you names and there are people that are going to tear you down behind their back, behind your back. And are they doing it because you're actually untrustworthy or broken? No, they're doing it because they see some of that in themselves and they're too scared to do anything about it. And it's easier to be the critic than the man in the arena. Okay. And the critic does not matter ever. So make your own situation better and block out all that other crap. Cause I honestly truly think that that is the way that we're going to have healthier, happier police officers. And just think of how many of our issues in law enforcement the stereotype stuff, right? Cops are always divorced. They've always got a drinking problem. They've got money problems, gambling problems, drug abuse problems. Okay. We're humans, humans that see things that nobody is supposed to see. And we're told to suck it up and deal with it. And it's very much similar in the military. That's not how we're built. That's not how we're made. It is not weakness to go figure that stuff out so that you can be a healthier person. So you can sleep at night. So you can go through your day without getting just so pissed off that you get into a road rage or do something on duty that will get you in trouble. All right. We've got to figure those things out, guys. That's part of knowing ourselves. And I know myself so much better now after just talking to somebody who can lead me through some exercises uh, talk things out with me and kind of share some insights because he's talked to so many other people and he's seen so many other things. 
I'm stuck in my one perspective and my one view. And now I've asked somebody else to widen my perspective. Okay. And just think of the things we see day in and day out. And there's just drops in that bucket, drops in that bucket. Eventually that bucket's going to overflow and it's not going to be the way we want it to. Okay. So before you're in crisis or if you are in crisis, start finding those resources. Okay. Start pushing for your department to help you with that. Because honestly, I don't know if whoever it is that my city provides the municipal, you know, the health insurance, if that person that I would go and talk to, if I said, Hey, I need help. Are they going to start crying when I tell them I've, you know, seen the same, some of the things I've seen and will that help me? And I mean, if I send my therapist into therapy, are they really going to sign off on me coming back to duty if I'm in that situation? Answer is probably no. So start looking, even if you don't need it, what you do, I'm telling you, it'll help. But even if you don't think you need it, do it for the next guy. So when you see your buddy starting to struggle with alcoholism, or you see them start to struggle and not be who they are normally at work, and you say, hey, is anything going on? And they say, man, I think I need some help, but I don't know where to go. Now you are the lighthouse. You have the answer. You have the resources. And if you've gone and done it yourself, you have the experience to help them. And you can say, brother, I've been there. I did this, this, and this, and it helped me immensely. I think it can help you too. Okay. Or you could be the guy that says, well, I guess you better suck it up, buttercup. Or go around talking behind his back, man. Oh, what's his nuts going wacky on us? I hope he doesn't back me up on anything. Don't be that guy, guys. That needs to end immediately. And if you hear other people talking about it, have the courage to stand up and say, that is incorrect. That is hurting us. And it needs to stop now. So have that moral courage to stand up and make that stuff stop. Because somebody who needs help may hear you say that. And it may give them the opportunity to go and get that help that they need. So like I said, um, this is not the last time I'm going to talk on this subject. I'm going to reach out to some other resources. Um, I hope to have uh, the lady that runs 3FTL, the the program that I'm going through. Um, hope to have her on the podcast at some point so she can explain what they do and maybe get their voice out a little bit in there and maybe give you guys the idea. Maybe it start. Maybe it gives us somebody the idea to start one where they are. Because I plan to go and volunteer with them once I'm through the program. I'm about to graduate, from what I'm told. Um, I'm doing so well that I'm almost done with it. And I've gone to the chief and told him I'm doing this, so I can do it. I don't know what your situation is in your department, okay? But I can guarantee you that your health is more important than any job. So if you need to go somewhere else in order to get help, or you need to go somewhere where they support officers taking care of their mental health, that may just need, that may just be what you need to do. Okay. Everybody's got to think of that for themselves, but don't avoid help just because you're scared. Make sure that you have that sovereignty where you know that you are worth it to go get help despite what your circumstances are. We have to stop this trend of cops killing themselves. And one of the stats that I've read and heard recently is that 
it's not the guys that are five years in. It's the guys that are 15 to 20 years, are near retirement, have been on the job for a long time. They're the ones that are killing themselves. So let's start now. Let's make our lives better before we get to that point. Or maybe we can even help the guys that are already at that point see things through a different view. So I hope to hear from everybody. Uh, Reach out to me if you need help. Ask for help, guys. If you're in North Texas and you want the 3FTL, um, I will provide uh, a link in the call notes for their website so that you can reach out to them if you'd like. Okay, Email me. Ask me anything you want. Um, Maybe we can start figuring out where other places are in other states, other cities um, that you can reach out to. Okay, But this is a major problem, guys. It is. We are deeply affected by this, and it needs to stop. So let's get better. Let's use the framework of stoicism to get there. Okay. You can't help anybody else if you're broken. Put the, put the mask on on the plane first before you help anybody else. All right, guys. That's all I got for today. Um, I know it's a little bit shorter. But I, I want it. I don't want this watered down. I want this to be uh, something that is short but clear, to the point, and has some resources in it that you guys can use. Okay. If you're feeling suicidal, please, please, guys, it's not worth it. Things can get better. Absolutely can. And there are people that can help. All right, guys. Stay safe. Take care of each other. Be that sentinel for yourself and for your buddy next to you. We will talk to you next time. Bye.